Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's going <laughs> to pop eight, then you're going to pop around, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. It's like like Mex- Mexican America. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy, your favorite New England-centered, legacy-focused Magic the Gathering podcast. Uh, my name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. And with me today is a recently crowned uh, Wormwood Invitational Champion, <laughs> Jerry Me. What's going on, man? Add that to my docket. Yeah. You put it up. The deck box is something, man. You got to put that up somewhere. You can't even put your cards in it. You have to put it up somewhere as a trophy. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Thank, thank you, Pat. How you doing? I'm, I mean, I'm not doing as well as you, man. I mean, you must be riding pretty high right now. I was very excited for your win, man. That was great. Yeah, I think I can retire now. You know, crowning achievement. <laughs> uh, I'm officially stepping down as co-host. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it was awesome. It's, it's always nice to uh, get a win, especially if uh, you've been in kind of a dry spell for a while. Yeah. Nice to, uh, you know, make it make you realize it's all worth it. <laughs> now you were on Sneak and Show, right? For the uh, for the tournament. Yeah, yeah, I ran Sneak and Show. Uh, we talked about it a bit last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't end up doing the thing in the ices uh, like we talked about on the last episode, just because uh, I didn't want to take that into a more uh, like a larger event. That's more mm-hmm. of a uh, you know F and M style. Test it out, see how it goes. Yeah, I think for sure, like, you know, the the ceiling on that is not as high as something that's already been tested and well-oiled, like a, a deck like Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're better, I, I agree, I think you're better off not trying to innovate when you're going to a tournament that you kind of want to spike versus, you know, if you wanted to run it run it at TE for, your, for a few Sundays, like, that's a different story, you know? Yeah, but, you know, knowing me, I couldn't just leave all the spice at home. I had a, oh, boy. I had to break up McCormick Spice Cabinet for this event, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, new sneak and show list has been making the rounds, uh, at 5 the, uh, MTG Daily, not Daily, but the MTG League on Magic Online, uh, for Legacy, and it's, it's, main deck is pretty, you know, standard as far as sneak and show goes, except it's running an extra Tundra, and it's running, uh, Monastery Mentors in the sideboard as the spice oh, cool. package. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I mean, it seems like a good creature to, to slam down early if you know that they're going to be hating out your sneak and show strategy. So, uh, oh yeah, hell yeah. Well, I'll get into it more when we actually like, talk about the the matches. But yeah, he was in all star all game. Nice. Uh, well, do you want to go into it? I mean, there's no time like the present. I think it's oh, a great way to lead off. I, I think so. Yeah, let's let's get into it. So awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, you're, I we already talked about it. I ran sneak and show. Um, give the list to our listeners here. So for the sure. Creature Suite main, uh, I was running four Grizzlebrand, three Emmercool, and a lot of Sneak and Show players don't do this, but I like having main board answers, so I have one Ashen Rider main, whereas most most players will actually leave the Ashen Rider in the sideboard. Um, mm-hmm. I just like, you know, when you come up against, like, Painter Servant or Tesserator, and they're running, like, main deck and snaring bridges... It's just a, a lot of the sneak and show matches, you know, pre-board. 
they'll just scoop them up as soon as those those uh, cards hit the battlefield because they have no answers once they resolve. And yep. I just I just don't ever like being in that position, so I like running the Ashen Rider main as just a, a last little out in case it gets to that point. Um, then for uh, protection package, I'm running the four Force of Will and then two Fluster Tor- two lap two Fluster Storm two Spell Pierce. Um, for card selection, four Brainstorm, four Ponder. That's pretty standard. Then two Sensei's Divining Tops. Uh, that's usually like Gitaxian Probe or Preordain, but with the Monastery Mentor, the, the D- Divining Tops just get a whole lot better post board. So it's worth, you know, running the Senseis, even though they're a bit more mana intensive. They just work really well with, uh, Mentor. Um, nice. then for, you know, action, I have four Sneak Attack, four Show and Tell, and then also two Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, those are kind of the, Ten spells you're trying to jam as soon as possible, because uh, usually if one of those stick, you're in a good position to win the game. Um, then for just mana, I have you know four Lotus Petal, one Mountain, three Islands, three Flooded Strand, four Scalding Tarn, one Tundra, three Volcanic Islands, three Ancient Tomb, and two City of Traders. Nice. Um, pretty standard on that, other than just the Tundra for the Monastery Mentor package. Mm-hmm. And then for the sideboard, I was running a Cavern of Souls for Monastery Mentor for the Miracles matchup. Yep. Um, wipe Away, which is just uh, the split-second bounce spell. Um, that that came in handy a couple times. Um, two Graph Digger's Cage. I don't think I actually boarded Graph Digger's Cage in once the entire tournament. So <laughs> pretty <laughs> kind of a dead spot, but it's it's just one of those cards if you're versing like Elves or Reanimator or anything like that, you just really want to have some Graph Digger's Cages. Yeah, you have to have some kind of graveyard hate just just in your sideboard. Like you didn't get matched up against it, but it doesn't mean that you were wrong to have it in your sideboard. Right, yeah, exactly. Because if I just versed Dredge all day, I would have been bemoaning the fact that I wasn't running four of them. Exactly, yeah, and that would have been like, oh, Jerry, you really fucked up your sideboard there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, Then also running two Pything Needle. Pything Needle is actually really important for this deck because Mm -hmm. um, they're just uh, some cards you need to answer, like Caracas is a big Mm -hmm. one. Um, But then it also just has like a good answer all for, you know, Jace's, Stoneforge Mystics, Aether Vials. I would think like something like even like Liliana of the Veil would be really good against you. Yeah, Liliana of the Veil. Uh, Yeah, Resolve Liliana of the Veil when you have zero cards in hand is game over. (laughs) Yeah. Or even if you're just trying to slam one creature, like she's just going to make you, you know, she's going to do the the edict effect next turn. So. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then three Monastery Mentor as the sideboard alternate win condition. Uh, three Blood Boon, which is just an awesome card, especially when you can resolve it turn one mm-hmm. off of like a Soul Land and a Lotus Petal. Uh, one Wear and Tear. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's right. That, that spot may be a flex spot. It didn't really do anything the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of my favorites, the Sudden Shocks, two of them. Yeah. <laughs> card's so good. Love that I know. Card. I dude, it, it is. It is a sweet card. It's a very sweet card. Oh man, it was uh, so. I, it came in in almost every single match I played in. Is that like the forked bolt with split second essentially? Uh, it's not for it. You don't get to split the damage up. It's, oh, okay. it's basically shock with split second. Two oh, okay. damage. Two damage. Split second. Can't do anything about it. So is it single red? Uh, one red, one colorless. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's not strictly better than shock. 
Yeah, uh, gotcha. It feels that way sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, it's just a nice way to take out like a like an, oppo- an opponent's mom or something, you know. Yeah, right, right. It, uh, well, the big thing is it takes out the containment priest even if they have a mom out. Oh sure, yep, yep. Um, yeah, it's it's really tough because you only run two sudden sudden shocks, so you have to be real stingy with what you use them on. Because mm-hmm. I could use a sudden shot to take out like a Vendillion click, and then they resolve containment priest, and I can't answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you really have to hold them up. Does does counterbalance trigger when you play Sudden Shock? Yeah, so that's something uh, a lot of players don't understand. Um, even though it's split second, triggers still happen. So, okay. uh, you know, Chalice of the Void still happens. Uh, countertop still happens. Um, I guess this was... Uh, I, I never really played uh, during this era, but back in Extended, when Countertop was a, a deck, people were u- running Crozen Grip. Which is the naturalized with uh, sudden uh, split second. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're running Crozen Grip a lot to take care of the counterbalance lock. And what a lot of players would do is they would permanently keep a three drop on top of their deck with Sensei's Divining Top because mm-hmm. you can't activate the Sensei's Top to rearrange, rearrange the top of your deck. But if the three drops already on top, you still get to counter the Crozen Grip. Okay. So you can't activate abilities, but it will triggered abilities will will trigger. Right, trigger abilities still happen. You just can't do anything about it. It's just gotcha. what, what's going on is what's going to have happen. Gotcha. Um, and that actually interaction came up quite a bit because I versed a lot of miracles. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw I saw your list. You want to run down the um, like your 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 matchups for the day? Yeah, I guess we can kind of just all do let's like do a little a, tournament report, like, man. A little tournament report, yeah. Hell yeah. So, round one, unfortunately, I got paired up against a friend, uh, Nick Wilbur. Uh, ah. Yeah, we talked about him on the cast a little bit, but... Yeah, I met Nick before. He's yeah, a good kid. real good guy. Um, and f- had the bad luck of versing me round one, unfortunately. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, man, he's going to love that when he hears it. <laughs> but, yeah, he was on Miracles, and... Uh, it just, it, it wasn't really fair. I think some of my best hands of the day happened during this match. Uh, like, yeah. I just got like a turn, turn three Emmercool game one. He just, I, like, I had, <laughs> I had sneak attack with double force backup. And yeah. he, he had one counter spell, but he couldn't take out the second force, uh, the, or I, he, he was able to answer my sneak attack and a forceable, but he just couldn't get the second force well. And then game two, mm-hmm. I go land pass. He pa- he plays like land, uh, like ponder, and I just go ancient tomb, lotus petal, turn two, Jace the mind sculptor. <laughs> and he was holding up a uh, fluster storm, uh, and he just did not have a way to uh, answer Jace, and yeah. Jace just took over the game from there. Um, so kind of felt bad taking out a friend in round one, but you know. Tournament's a tournament. Yeah. It is what it is, man. Um, round two, I barely got to see what my opponent was playing just because it went so quick. Um, I felt... <laughs> this is when... <laughs> this is when, like, the unique build of the deck really shone through because I, I was... I, it was like a Jund variant. Um, it wasn't traditional Jund, but it was kind of red-black-green stuff. <laughs> and uh, game one, uh, he's on the play. He plays a land... Passes it back to me. I go Tundra Sensei's Divining Top. And he goes, oh, 
I'm playing against uh, Miracles. Uh, right, right. <laughs> time, to, time to the grind. And he plays like Bayou and taps out and plays Sylvan Library. And he just like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, uh, that's fine. And he just looks over and he like, he like, <laughs> oh god, he like, he smirks at me because he because he knows it's like Sylvan Library is one of the best things you can play against a Miracles players. Yeah, like, Miracles yeah. players hate that card and the fact that it's stuck. He was feeling like so 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 high and mighty on it. So he passes <laughs> it back to me and I go. Ancient Tomb Show and Tell. <laughs> <He's> like, what? <laughs> uh, oh, so, sick. Yeah, so that just blew him out. And then game two, I just got an early sneak attack and killed him before he could really do much of anything. Yep. Um, so right now I'm, I'm 4 0. I haven't dropped a game yet in the day. Um, feeling pretty good. And sit down for round three, and I end up playing 12 posts. Mm. Um, 12 post is actually a really interesting matchup for sneak and show because they're also running fatties and your, and right. your show and tells become quite the liability. Um, you know, there's been multiple times where I've played a show and tell against a, a 12 post player and they've put into play primeval Titan, finding a cloud post and a Caracas bouncing whatever I played. Yeah, that's rough. That's so rough. that just like gets the total blowout. Um, you know, I was able to figure out what he was playing pretty early on because he played Expedition Map, and uh, 12 Post is basically the only deck that'll play that in Legacy. Um, so I basically just considered all my show and tells a blank card in that matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, base case situation you can hope for is show and telling in a uh, sneak attack and then activating the sneak attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, it, it's it's not really worth it. So this was kind of a long grindy match. Um, that I had to, you know, basically save up for a sneak attack as my only win condition. Um, I ended up losing round, uh, game one, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but post board, what I do is board out the show intels for the monastery mentors. Mm-hmm. And I actually found myself doing this all day. Um, it seemed kind of, kind of counterintuitive, but, just stripping out the show and tells, just becoming a pure sneak attack deck, and then using, uh, you know, Monastery Mentor plus Jason Sensei's Divining Top to also have kind of like a Miracles deck as my secondary win condition. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, so that, that got there against 12 Post in the next two games. I uh, was able to take him out, and then uh, I played Miracles for round four. Uh, this was the kind of the first loss of the day. Uh, and it's just, Miracles is just a really tough matchup for, for Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. Um, just because a lot of their cards that they have anyways are just, are incidentally very good against you. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're already running cards like Caracas, uh, which makes Show and Tell really bad. Uh, but they're also running like Venser, well, depending on the build, they're running Venser Shaper Savant, which is a bounce spell that they can put into play off of Show and Tell. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor's minus one is a bounce. And also, even if you play Show and Tell, they can flash in a Vendillion Click, strip the fatty out of your hand. If it's the only one you have, you basically just give them a free Show and Tell. Right, right. Um, so it it can be a real close matchup. And um, I round, I won game one, but he just got double Containment Priest games two and three, and I could not find an answer for him. Yeah. So that was kind of the first first loss of the day. Um, Next up, I played Omni Show. Uh, that's also a really interesting matchup. A lot of like the uh, twelve post match. Um, your show and tells are dead because mm-hmm. they 
also have just as many things that they want to put into play off of uh, show and tell, except they win on the spot, whereas you don't. Like, show and tell still requires you to pass the turn, and they have one turn to answer your threat before you win the game. Mm -hmm. With Omni Show, they just put Omniscience into play off of show and tell, then cast Emmercool and win the game right then and there. Mm. So, you know, your show and tells are dead in that match. So, pretty much every deck I've played so far, other than Jund, I've had to board out my show and tells just because they're pretty much worthless. Yep. Uh, but I, that's why I just really liked the Monastery Mentors, because they just slotted in perfectly. Three Mentors and a uh, Cavern of Souls come in for the four show and tells, and they just are four live uh, win conditions in the deck again. So consistency-wise, it makes the decks feel like you have just as much punching power, even though you're technically boarding out the namesake card of the deck. Right. Um, and I ended up just 2 owing Omni Show. Uh, that was, I mean, it, it was close, uh, but it was mostly a lot of, like, stack battles. Um, you know, like, Force of Will, Flusterstorm, Force of Will, Original Spell, Spell Pierce. Yep. Uh, lots of things like that going on, and it, it, it's, it, it, it was one of those matches where both players would do nothing for, like, ten turns, and then both <laughs> players would cast their entire hand in one turn. Yeah, because you're just trying to sculpt your hand with enough permission to hopefully stick what you're trying to, like, your threat, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of, like, poker reading. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> is my hand better than my opponent? Mm, now it is. Okay, time to go. <laughs> uh, and so that that felt pretty good, being able to win uh, in that matchup. Uh, you know, Monastery Mentors were really good then, too. It was, it's not as good just because they're super slow, but it just is a way to win the game if it draws out and, you know, Goes into the stall, draw, go type matchup. Yeah, sure. Uh, and for the sixth round, I was going to go up against the Epic Storm, but we did a lot of tiebreaker math and figured out that uh, I could we could just draw into the top eight. Nice. Um, so then top eight, uh, I versed Miracles round one in the top eight. I actually versed against uh, Tyler. He was the one who split with Josh Sissio for the last Wormwood Open. Okay. So he made top eight again. He's a very good Miracles player. Uh, I don't know him super well, but he, he's pretty well known in the legacy community around New England. He, he does quite well in a lot of tournaments. Um, but I was just, you know, game one, able to get a quick sneak attack out and sneak attack in for the win. Um, I drew 14 cards, so I play sneak attack, uh, play put Grizzlebrand into play off of sneak attack, and he basically has the win on board. Um, if I can't kill him this turn, he's going to win the game. I draw seven cards off of Grizzlebrand and get <laughs> basically nothing. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I have enough life to do it one more time. So I draw seven, turn seven cards again. And I'm just drawing them one by one. Nothing, 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 <laughs> nothing, nothing. Sixth card is Emmercool. Seventh card is Lotus Petal. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Got there. Got there. <laughs> uh, I then proceeded to sing I'm the Best Around. Nothing's ever going to keep me down. <laughs> As you should. As, As I you sh should. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then game two, it, it turned into me just going uh, like turn one Blood Moon, turn two... Um, sorry, not, not turn one, Blood Moon. Like, tur turn one, Sensei's Divining Top, turn two, Blood Moon, turn three, Monastery Mentor, turn four, Jace. Oh. And he just, <laughs> he couldn't keep up with it. 
Uh, and then for the semifinals, I actually got paired up against the one and only Josh Sissio. Oh, man. Um, he was the on Shardless Bug, but he had dinner reservations at 8. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, he couldn't stay, and he actually ended up scooping me into the I, finals. <laughs> so I saw you, like, wrote, oh, yeah, I got scooped in in the semifinals. I'm like, I wanted to ask you the story behind that, but I was hoping to save it for the cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all kind of about, uh, like, karma. I, I believe a lot in, uh, you know, karma in the, the legacy scene. Uh, you know, I know lots of people that have scooped other people in and, you know, it, it would have been an unintentional draw, but one player scoops the other person in because there's no point in both people missing out on top eight. Yep. Um, thing, you know, things of that nature, you know, what goes around comes around. So I've known Josh for years. There's been times he scooped me in. There's been times I've scooped him in. So uh, I did want to kind of play that match just to, you know, give bragging rights, but <laughs> I was happy to just be, uh, you know, scooped into the finals. So. How, how was your matchup with Shardless Bug? It's an interesting one. We were, we were debating it a lot. Um, I think I'm favored just because the only real permission he runs is Force of Will. So hmm. that's always been kind of the big problem with Shardless Bug. The only counter spells you can run are Force of Will because any other counter spell is going to get hit off of Shardless Agent. Like no, right. no dazes, no spell pierces, nothing like that that you can really run. Mm. And in the past, what a lot of uh, Shardless lists will do to compensate is they'll run a lot of discard. They'll run like uh, Him to Torak and Thoughtseize. Yeah, that's what I would. That's what I would think is a is would be difficult for the matchup for you at least. Right, but. With Josh's builds, um, you know, him and Brent Gilmore, they've been on the deck for a while now. Um, they went kind of a more aggressive route, and they've cut a lot of the discard from the deck. Oh, interesting. So they still run a couple pieces in, in the sideboard, but to the best of my knowledge, they're not running any discard main. So game one, I'm heavily favored, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't tell me what it is, but he kept saying he had, you know, a special card just for me in his sideboard <laughs> that he put in because he knew I was going to be on uh, Sneak and Show. <laughs> so I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm interested to see what it is. Hopefully I'll get a chance to see it at the uh, the GPT next week. The super secret tech. <laughs> the super secret tech. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, I've versed the dread of the format, Eldrazi. Yeah, I saw that in the finals, right? Yep, in the finals. Uh, there was a couple decks in the room. I hadn't really seen any of them all day, so this was kind of the first I've seen it uh, at the event. Uh, it It's interesting. Um, you know, you would think they're bad against combo decks because they don't run any counter spells. You know, they I, do, but they do have the Thought Knot Seer. They right? have, yeah, they have Thought Knot Seer and, and Chalice. Yep, and and Warping Whale is technically a counter spell. It's sure, yep. Especially good against me because Show and Tell is a sorcery. Right. Um, right. and then also with this matchup, Show and Tells aren't as bad as they are, say, against Twelve Post, but it is always a little nerve wracking Show and Telling against uh, Eldrazi deck. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, for sure. Just wondering, about, you know, what they could put in because. Well, if it's Thought Knot Seer, can't they strip? What what does Thought Knot Seer pull out of your hand? Well, so this that actually came up um, in the match. Uh, I show and tell. He put into play uh, what's like the five five with pseudo hex proof that like you have to discard a card whenever you uh, target it. Uh, oh, uh, Reality Smasher. Okay. That's, yeah, that's four in a colorless for a five five creature Eldrazi. Trample haste. Uh, whenever a Reality Smasher becomes a target of a spell. 
an opponent controls counter that spell unless his controller discards a card. Okay, yes, yes. So what happened in the match was I show and tell and my hand is sneak attack Grizzlebrand, and I have four mana up. So mm-hmm. I tap three mana to show and tell, and I put in sneak attack into play, use the one extra mana to activate sneak attack to put Grizzlebrand into play to then win the game from there. Yep. And we talked about it after the match, and he, I could have just really blown myself out with the greed there, because, you know, that's a greedy play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because he had a Thought Not Seer in hand, and if he had put mm-hmm. the Thought Not Seer into play instead of the Reality Smasher, Thought Not Seer would trigger, he would look at my hand, Grizzlebrand's the only creature, and he would take it out of my hand. Right. And then I would basically have a sneak attack that's useless. Right. Uh, but... The luck was on my side, as it so often it is. <laughs> and he put the the reality smasher in, and I was able to just draw a bunch of cards, find a Lotus Petal, find an Emrakul, and kill him. Now, now, as much as everyone likes to call you a luck sack, I do, I do think that to, I mean, to 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 top A and win a tournament, it takes a lot of skill, right? Very skill intensive. However, that being said, variance also has to be on your side. Yeah. I don't think that you can like you were. I think you were lucky enough to face decks that are 50-50 or you're favorable against for the most part, right? Like, oh, yeah. I don't think you're unfavorable against the majority of the decks you faced. Um, Miracles is tough. Like Miracles? It, depending on the build of Miracles. So I would mm-hmm. say Legends Miracles, they're definitely favored because they're maximizing cards that hate you out. Like Caracas and all Caracas, that stuff. Caracas, uh, Vendillion Click, Venser. Yep. Uh, regular Miracles is better, but it's still not a good matchup. Like, okay. if they resolve counterbalance, uh, all my card selection is basically, you know, null and void. Yep. Um, so I have to naturally draw the cards to win the game. And even if I naturally draw them, they can still easily have answers for it. Mm-hmm. So, Miracles, I would say, uh, is iffy, but that's where the Monastery Mentor came in such handy. Like, I would say, tradi- traditional sneak and show, just... You know, run-of-the-mill stock deck list is unfavored versus Miracles, but the Monastery Mentor version that I was playing is favored against Miracles, because Mm. post-board, I basically become a Miracles deck, where instead of my, like, win condition being an Entreat the Angels for 10, or Countertop It Loop Forever to make a bunch of Monastery Mentor tokens, my Mm. go-big plan is put an Emrakul into play. Right. <laughs> um, so you can just really go toe-to-toe with them a lot better uh, post-board. Okay. I'm also running two Jaces, whereas most sneak and show lists will only run one. So it just lets me go for the long game a lot a lot better. So my version of the list versus the versions I was versing, it was probably 50-50, but that's not necessarily the case uh, for you know the stock lists of the variety. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jund is definitely a favorable matchup just because they're not running counter magic. Uh, 12 post is, you know, once again, 50-50. It basically depends on who can get a spaghetti monster into play first. Yep. Um, and Omni Show is actually uh, unfavored because you're both doing, you're both trying to do the same things. It's just their instant speed. They can win on their turn, whereas you can't. Um, and then Tess, I was really glad I could get the draw against because I... That that deck that matchup's basically a coin flip. Yeah. Um, you know, your turns are pretty similar, but they can tend to go off a bit quicker than you. Um mm-hmm. S- Sneak and Show's more resilient. It can rebuild faster than Storm can. 
Uh, but, you know, Storm can just come out of nowhere. And it's in those matchups, it's really difficult to know what to keep and what to mulligan. You know, do you keep mm-hmm. a really heavy protection hand and hope to disrupt them enough and then go off later? Or do you just try and beat them to the punch and try and get, you know, a turn two show and tell or sneak attack and kill them that way? Yeah. So it, it's it, it that's a tough matchup to say. And the Eldrazi matchup was actually, like, much closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, I think the Eldrazi deck. I mean, we can talk about it later, but I think it's, I think it's fairly well positioned in the meta right mm-hmm. now. I really do. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the reason why I won game two was just on the back of Monastery Mentors because mm-hmm. he put so much pressure on me so early. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was down to eight life uh, when I was finally able to, uh, you know, combo off, which means I only was able to get one activation off Grizzlebrands. Yep. But if it wasn't for Monastery Mentor, I would have lost that game hard because Mentor came out early and was just pumping out blockers for me. Yeah. Um, what you need against what you need against them because they are just shitting out creatures left and right and like yeah. oh all their God. creatures have like some kind of upside. They're not like not one of them is I mean, and like I see that's kind of that's kind of the norm, but like every single one of the creatures either has like great card advantage or like for instance, like we we're talking about Reality Smasher, if you if you're gonna kill it, you're gonna have to two for one yourself. That's just like you have to discard a card to to target it with a with a with a spell. So, like if you wanna you know I don't know do whatever, you have to you have to discard a card. So right, like probably the worst creature in the deck is the two the two one two drop that you know takes on power and toughness of any creature you play. Yeah, the Eldrazi mimic. Yeah, like that's the worst card in the deck, and that card is often a free five five <laughs> on turn two. Right, <laughs> like, right, and when they're playing, what is it, uh, Eldrazi Temple? They mm-hmm. can play, they can cast it for one essentially. Uh, or, um, they, or or if they have Ivugan, they can play it for free. Yeah, exactly. Like I, <laughs> I've seen some games where they go like turn one Ivugan, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, Eldrazi Mimic. Yeah, Mimic, Mimic, Mimic. Yeah. Turn <laughs> like turn two Ancient to- Ancient Tomb like Reality Smasher and just like yep. these insane, insane <laughs> plays. It's like yeah, you're gonna get fifteen this 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 yeah. on turn two like. <laughs> Eat it. <laughs> yeah, so that was just really close. I mean, he also brought in Thorn of Amethyst, which really yeah. slows me down. I'm I'm interested. Do you have those sideboard? Because the lists I see are running like three or two or three or four in the main. Oh, he may have even had a main. I just didn't see him until the sideboarded game. Okay, yeah, because uh, the uh, Thorn of Amethyst seems to be in the main for them. Because again, it's a it's essentially for them a turn one play, mm-hmm. and it's just going to make you know they're only basically playing non creature spells. Like they have a a dismemberer and a handful of warping whale in the main, but everything else is a is a creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have some uh, some artifacts, but. Um, you know, they're playing, obviously they're playing the Chalice, they're playing, did you see GTA in there as well? Uh, I mean, I'm sure he boarded it out, um, yeah. just because you don't keep it in unless you know I'm on Monastery Mentor. Yep. Um, that's what I also found, everyone was boarding out all the removal against me, which was great, which just meant oh, that's if, great. <laughs> yeah, if Mentor stuck, he, I don't think Mentor actually died once the any time I played him. Oh, that's, that's brutal, because he's like a kill on sight type of guy. Right, exactly, they just didn't have any answers for him. So, Gotta, like now before he because even the tokens like it's not like they're just a one one elemental they're one ones with prowess yeah so like especially in a deck like yours that can shit out so much so many instants and sorceries like it's it's just <laughs> that, yeah. it gets rough. it's rough <laughs> that that's how he felt because like there was a turn against Eldrazi where I had a mentor out and it, the I had just been making blockers so we had both the master amount oh yeah because I had a blood moon out uh, game mm-hmm. two so that slowed him down a lot having the blood moon. Um, and I was able to find a Lotus Petal to cast the Monastery Mentor through the, through the Blood Moon. And <laughs> I was just having turns where I was going like, 
uh, Jace, Sensei's Divining Top, that's two tokens. Uh, put the top on top, brainstorm with Jace. <laughs> Did you feel like you were playing Miracles? I felt like I was playing Miracles, it, yeah. Cause I was just, okay, so follow-up, how dirty did you feel? I felt so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was it was gross. Like, I was having these turns where I'm like, like ponder, brainstorm, top, re- put top on top, brainstorm with Jace, replay top, like, <clears throat> making five tokens. And this entire time, I'm also crafting my hand. <laughs> And they're like, all right, uh, da 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 da. It's like, you know, try and stem stem the bleeding from all these mentor tokens. And they think, Gary, I thought you went there to play Magic Man. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and yeah, just like they would try so hard to deal with this mentor, and they just kind of lose track sight of the fact that the mentor is just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Monastery, like Monastery Mentor, won me a few games, but where it was, you know, came in best was. It slowed them down, shifted their attention to the mentor, and allowed me to then, uh, you know, go sneak and show, activate. Yep. So it was a great little diversionary tactic that also has the ability to just win the game by itself. <laughs> That's not too bad of a diversionary tactic, then. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty good. So, yeah, I, the entire day I just felt real good. I mean, I lost three games. Like, not not just matches, just I lost one match, you know, one to two. And then I lost one other game the entire day. Right, and it's not even like you got swept out of the match. You still were able to take a game out of there, so, you know, it yeah. didn't seem like any round you got hosed. Yeah, you exactly. Two, you 2 owed a lot of guys, so you must have felt at least a little bit fresh, like you weren't grinding out too many rounds either. Like, I know when you go, like, to, if when you're going to three games every single round, it just, it makes a day feel like you're playing, you're just playing 50% more Legacy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's like Sissio came over to me and was laughing because... Uh, when we were figuring out tiebreaker math, he knew he was in pretty set looking at the the tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, my tiebreakers are pretty good. And then he goes to look at mine, and mine just, like, blew him out of the water. Like, I had, like, 88% tiebreakers because <laughs> I just was not dropping a game. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, yeah, I just I felt really good that day. I just felt like I could not lose. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm, like I said, I was very... I hope my excitement came through via Facebook, but I was extremely excited for you because I, you know, I I get really amped up when you guys do well. I like to be, uh, you know, I don't know. I know you guys work real hard and, and you really enjoy the game and you give a lot back to it more than you take. And it's just it's great to see you guys do well, man. Aww, Makes me excited. You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> you should have been there. There was uh, there was actually a couple uh, blue red lists in the room. Yo, really? Yeah, I actually, so one of Josh's friends, uh, Jay, was playing, and I, he actually asked to borrow a deck, so I put together a blue-red Delver for him, mm-hmm. uh, and he played that. Uh, he didn't do too well, but he also hasn't played Magic in a while, and there was one, t- <laughs> I saw him board in Sulphur Elemental against uh, 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 Merfolk. So, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so I'm just like, whoa, whoa, what's going on with that play there? He's like, I just, I just need more creatures, man. <laughs> like, so you're boarding in hill giants? <laughs> you're wrong one, buddy. That's not what you want. <laughs> yeah, but he, he still, he still did uh, okay for himself. And then, yeah. I mean, Sissio was also top aided, so it, it was a, it was a good day all around. Yeah, one of the reasons why I like the blue red Delver list, just to just to talk about that real quick, is that like it <clears throat> it gives you a lot of play. Like the right build gives you a lot of play, but you have to you have to play it well, I think, to do well. Like an Eli Cassis like plays the deck very well when he plays it, and that's why he's top aiding. But I think you know because of my uh, sort of newness to the format for the most part, like it's it's very easy easy to make misplays in there. Like if you're 
casting your, you know, your brainstorm, you're shuffling away the wrong things, or you're, you're pondering when you shouldn't be, or, you know, you're, you're pitching the wrong card to force of will. It, you, there's a lot of decisions to be made in the deck, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, um, making the wrong ones can cost you because it's, I feel like in Blue Red Delver, you win a lot of your games by the narrowest of margins. Mm-hmm. It's not like a deck that will outright crush a ton of decks. Right, right. But, but it has a lot of play. And does it make sense? It has a lot of play yeah. inside the, the, the way the deck plays out. But. Oh, yeah. I definitely saw the deck do some, you know, pretty insane turnarounds. Uh, yeah. You know, Stephen Dothright was another friend. Uh, he was also on the deck that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like there was, he was playing uh, Brent playing Shardless Bug, and when I look at the match, you know Shardless Bug has a Tarmogoyf, a Deathrite Shaman, a Baleful Strix in play, and the uh, blue Steven on blue red has basically three lands. Mm-hmm. And I look away for a couple minutes, come back later, and the Shardless Bugs uh, player's field is empty, <laughs> and blue red has a Delver and a Blood Moon in play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that turned around real quick. <laughs> yeah, I do love being able to play Blood Moon in that deck. That's one of my favorite cards yep, in the sideboard. Is. It's very good. I also love it when people board in Blood Moon against Deacon Show because yeah. I'm also running Blood Moon in my sideboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's not, that's not doing what they want it to do, essentially. No, no. they see, they see uh, you know, Volcanic Islands and... Like City of Traders. City of Traders and, and Show and Tell, and like, oh, I'll blow them out this way. And you're like, yeah. nope. Like, not, yeah, not quite. <laughs> Not quite. Is, is City Trader still getting like 130 bucks? Uh, I don't know. It was definitely worth having it in the deck, though. Uh, yeah. You know, it just being able to get that turn one Blood Moon, turn one Show and Tell, turn two Jace is just really good. Just yeah. Really, it's awesome. Yeah. That natural ramp is just excellent. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Very nice. But uh, yeah, that was my day. I got a sweet uh, trophy deck box out of it. Wormwood. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know about Wormwood. They're relatively new on the scene, but... Um, they did have a pretty big promo with uh, the Loading Ready Run guys on YouTube. I don't know yeah. if you saw that. Yep, yeah. So, I but... mean, they're, I, it kind of makes sense that they're sponsoring a Legacy event. Uh, so they kind of stepped in, kind of filling some of the void that Star City Games left behind mm-hmm. by having a, uh, a Legacy open. And I just feel it's a smart business decision on their end because they, they make high-end accessories like mm-hmm. you know anyone can buy a two dollar ultra pro deck box but the chances of a standard deck being in that compared to a legacy deck uh legacy players i feel are willing to spend the extra money in order to get that you know extra protection you know extra swag too because they just look really nice yeah so they're like handcrafted deck boxes with leather straps to hold everything together and you know metal fasteners just a real heavy duty box like i feel my deck is really safe and protected in it and mm. then they also have the hidden compartment in the bottom for the gps tracker so yeah yeah, yeah so, i think it's sweet so my i made the transition over my my deck is now in it plus one black border volcanic islands that was Ooh. my spoils for the day very sweet. Uh, so yeah, Sneak and Show, <laughs> Sneak and Show is definitely getting up there on the uh, the foily factor, and so I'm like two two Black Border Volcanic Islands away. Mm-hmm. Just just need to drop that you know sixteen hundred dollars <laughs> on pieces of cardboard. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you know what do you? I mean, over time you keep winning tournaments like this, and it's not such a big investment. Yeah. So actually, yeah. the the finals were the the final prize was a Black Border Tundra. Um, nice. but I paid a little bit extra to get the upgrade to the Blackboard Volcanic instead. <laughs> Guys, that's awesome. I'm going to use that. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Oh for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, just the deck felt really, really good. And yeah, I, you love that deck. You love playing that deck, and it's fun to watch you play the deck. It's man. true. I mean, I it's it's the deck I always go come back to. Like whenever I'm like, ah, I don't know what to play, I just put together sneak and show. Yeah. Um, yep. it, it's, it just, it's more consistent than tin fins and it wins quicker. It wins more reliably, uh, than reanimator. So reanimator is probably just as consistent as sneak and show, but just the fact that sneak attack gives them haste is the leg up factor. Yep. Yeah. I actually just bought a lightly played Korean city of traders for a hundred bucks on TCG player. Oh, really? Yep. Just picked one up. Wanna, so I need to. You want to switch that to an English one? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> gotta, I gotta finish. You know, if I'm, there's no way I'm getting the foil city of traders. Oh, I, I don't even know what those are. I don't even know. How much, like, yeah, I can't even imagine. They must be insane. So they're one of the rarest magic cards of all time. Um, so what happened was in Exodus, they they did test runs for foils. Yep. So foils weren't in packs yet, but Wizards of the Coast was experimenting. Mm-hmm. So they commissioned the like a certain number of cards to be printed in foil. One of those cards being City of Traders, but you know we're talking extremely limited print run. Like I've yeah. heard, I've heard people say that there's only a handful of playsets in existence. Oh wow! Um, I've only seen them in person once. It was like a vendor at a GP had one, and they were selling for like sixteen. I uh, uh, let me let me check. I don't I've. I don't want to grossly overestimate here. Uh, I'm just going to go with it, considering no one's going to be able to check oh, what I Oh, I, I see one right here. Oh, you did? Yeah, so Foil Exodus City of Traders. This is a BGS 9.5 print, blue frame, black border foil. $25,000, buy it now. Okay, yep. So I wanted to say I saw the vendor selling it for sixteen grand, but... It, it sounded a little high, and I wanted to double check that, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's they're they're just hard to find. You know, we we couldn't even find a way to figure out what they're going for now because that's yep. how rarely they sell. Wow. So don't think I will ever be getting a foil city of traders for the deck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. You know, Jerry, you you have a long uh, career as a banker ahead of you, so. <laughs> oh yeah, gotta you gotta know. pimp that out. But I'm ho- happy for Eternal Masters to come out, so I can finally get foil force oils for the deck. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Then pretty much just like the City of Traders and the Volcanic Islands will be the only non foils in the deck. Yeah, I just want to open. I just want to open the foil force of will, and then I can sell it and get something else yeah, that I me, want. To me, to me. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> hey, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. So, all right. So that's one. That's one city of trade. I mean, a hundred bucks for a city is probably a, a, is seems to be a really good price right now. So that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I got. I, and also the fact that it's Korean, I, I figure that's the course I'm going to go since I can't ever get a foil city of traders. I mean, as well yeah. as a foreign language one. It's it's weird. It, it was actually cheaper than the. Well, I mean, it was also it was like in better condition, but also cheaper than the English one, which I don't really understand. Like, usually the foreign ones are like fetch a premium. Usually foreign cards fetch a premium, but they're also slow moving. There's a yeah. lot of players that don't like playing with uh, foreign cards. Oh, yeah, I don't, but it saved me 20 bucks, so that's why I got it. Yeah, it's also yeah. weird, depending on the card, because it when it's in foreign, it takes it out the cube market and the EDH market. Because oh, sure. 
you know, it less so with EDH, but definitely with Cube. That makes know. sense. Like when other people are playing a Cube that aren't familiar with the card, it becomes a pain in the ass to be asking. Exactly. They want people to know know the cards in the cube. Exactly. So I'm I'm going through that right now. I'm putting together a cube and a mm-hmm. bunch of cards. I'm like, oh, I want to put in this like sweet, you know, Japanese boomerang that I have because it's the <laughs> only place I'm ever going to use it. And then I'm like, ah, but I mean, it's alt art. People won't really recognize it. Like even, yeah. even people who know magic pretty well aren't going to recognize what this art is. Hey man, I got this Italian didgeridoo for the Minotaur tribal theme. <laughs> yeah. Like- Exactly. So it's like you just kind of have to be aware of that other, not just other people besides yourself are going to be using these cards and, you know, try and maximize the enjoyment for everyone. Put it in a language they can read. So (laughs) City of Traders, one of those cards is like really popular in EDH and most cubes are going to have a City of Traders if they're kind of going towards the more broken end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So it being foreign kind of takes it out of that market, makes it a little bit less desirable. It's, It's basically wedging it in. It's like either a vintage or legacy player is going to want this card. Right, right. Which I do, so you should give it to me. (laughs) Hey, man, it's yours. The low, low price of whatever the hell it costs. (laughs) I'll I'll give you some nice English ones for it. Sure, sure. I'll take two English for the Korean. There we go. (laughs) That's a fair trade. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I'm going to put that Eldrazi deck together. I don't think I'll have it in time for Columbus, um, but I do want to get it together because... I think one of the strengths of the deck, and we can kind of talk about it a little bit if you want, because it is very popular. It's been doing really well in Magic Online. It's a significant percentage of the meta in paper, even. Even the last two months, it's not like, you know, it's still top eighting, like, you know, multiple, you know, plus 100 player events. Um, and let's see, live tournaments in the last two months, it is making up, uh, 7% of the meta, which is just below Grixis Delver and below Miracles. So it comes in like third or fourth, I guess. Fourth behind like the bug the bugs lists, but um, that's still like pretty significant, I think, for a relatively new deck. It's um, it's a good deck. I I feel it fills the void Affinity left behind. Um, mm-hmm. Affinity has been pushed out of the meta. Uh, like I can't even remember the last time I saw an Affinity deck. And Affinity just it, it gets hated out by all these like Delver decks that are packing a bunch of removal. It gets really hated out by these Chalice of the Void decks because a lot of the cards in the deck are either one drops or zero drops. Mm-hmm. And it just as a as a strategy in Legacy, it's just not quite up to par. Yeah. It's it's you know definitely tier three. Whereas Eldrazi has all the strengths Affinity has, where it can just shit out big creatures really quickly. But mm-hmm. it just goes over the top that Affinity did. It, it's its curve is high enough that it gets around uh, Chalice of the Void, and its creatures are just you know heftier. You know, there's no they're just very good. They're yeah. all like I said, they're all like I think what puts it over the top. I mean, besides like the fact that you're playing like Ayavugan, um, it, they're just like all of them are card advantage engines. It mm-hmm. seems like every single thing is. It's getting you a card, or it's forcing your opponent to spend an extra card, or things that are just really, like, are punishing in other formats, but super punishing in Legacy. Right, exactly. Yeah, that definitely sets it apart from the Affinity, because that was the big problem Affinity had. Affinity would just vomit a bunch of creatures on the board, and if your opponent had a sweeper, it took forever to build up. Right. Um, Whereas with Eldrazi, they play two or three creatures, and they're pretty much net zero as far as card advantage goes, if, if not positive. Yeah. So yeah, the deck's really good. Um, I I'm not surprised it made it to the semifinals of this event, and I'm not mm-hmm. surprised it's doing well elsewhere. 
Um, I'm still not sold on it being a tier one deck, but the longer it's it stays putting up results, you know, the more it looks that way. What do you? So let me ask, what do you? Why do you think it's not a tier one deck? Because that that does interest me. Um, it doesn't have card selection. So okay, in order for any legacy deck to be really truly tier one, it needs consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you know, Tin Fins is one of the most powerful decks when you have a God Hand. You know, it's very hard to lose with a God Hand and Tin Fins. But I would mm-hmm. not say Tin Fins is a tier one deck because it cannot do it consistently. Okay. Um, and I feel Eldrazi is kind of the same way. Eldrazi sometimes has these hands that just do nothing. <laughs> you know, they have yeah. like <laughs> they have like all ramp and nothing to do with it, or they have all their haymakers and they just don't really have um, you know the way the, a way to reliably power them out. I was actually talking to the Eldrazi player quite a bit about mm-hmm. it, and he said it's like yeah, there are some some hands where you just feel like there's no way you're going to lose this game, and then there are other hands where you're like this feels like a standard deck. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, I, the fact that it doesn't have any mm-hmm. card selection, uh, I know some of them are you know experimenting with Sensei's Divining Top, but you know it, Sensei's Divining Top does not really make up for Pondering Brainstorm. Um, yeah. And it kind of sucks that that's kind of true as the format as a whole. It's the reason why blue is the best color in the format. It's mm-hmm. just Ponder Brainstorm just gives consistency to blue decks that pretty much every other deck can be jealous of. You know, yeah. Sensei's Dividing Top's the closest thing they can hope for, and it's just not not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the fact that Eldrazi keeps doing well, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is a tier one. It can, it can be one of the few decks that gets over the hump of not having any card selection. Because, yeah. I mean, there are certainly decks that do it, uh, you know, um, you know, Death and Taxes is probably the first one that jumps to mind, and that's just one of those decks where it doesn't really worry about card selection that much, because pretty much all their cards are pretty much equal on the power scale level. They're not digging for right. specific answers. And, you know, even Stoneforge Mystic is able to find the few cards where card selection actually does matter. Mm-hmm. So, basically, in conclusion, the, the uh, Legacy Eldrazi deck, good, not great. Right. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. I don't want. Uh, so I'm saying the jury's still out. Sure. Um, I just my personal past experience with Legacy makes me feel like it's not a tier one deck. But if it keeps putting up results even past the hype session, um, it's definitely a possibility for it to be there. It's so. Do you do you think that it, it top eights and does well right now just because of the uh, what's the word? Saturation of the deck? Like, there's so many out, like, like a, like a blind nut finds a squirrel. Yeah. Uh, it, a blind it. squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, the blind nut does find the squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was kind of like a couple of years ago when it, when Rug Delver almost became a self, uh, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was on the deck because the deck won every weekend. And it got to the point where even though it wasn't the best deck anymore, it was still winning every weekend because so many people were playing the deck. Gotcha. Um, You know, you could be the best deck in the room, but if you get a bad matchup or have a bad draw, you don't get to make it to the top eight and no one gets to see your best deck in the room. Yeah. Whereas if a mediocre deck is half the room, it still has a very high likelihood of top aiding because if half the room is on the same deck, at least one person is going to have a great game eight games in a row. Right. 
That's the variance we're talking about, right? Exactly. So, like, more, the more shots you have at getting lucky, the more times you'll get lucky. <laughs> right, you know, because variance works in people's favor sometimes, too. Of you course, know, you yeah, could, that's why it's variance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could have a terrible deck and still win the day if you're just having the best day ever. <laughs> so, I, I want to wait for kind of the hype to die down a little bit, you know, kind of re... re uh, what am I thinking of the word? Just re-look at... <laughs> Reevaluate. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Reevaluate the deck, you know, six months from now and see if it's still putting up consistent results. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Because I like even Food Chain. Food Chain took down a couple events and everyone was calling it the greatest deck and you know, Food Chain is not tier one by any stretch. Yep. So we'll see. I, I think it's definitely worth putting together any deck that you can put together for what is it under six hundred dollars? Uh, it's a little more than that because even the City of Traders yeah, and the the Caracas, like the the creature package is cheap, mm-hmm. but you can put the deck together for about eleven hundred bucks. Really, that much? Yeah, I mean it's running it's running the three Cavernous Souls, it's running three City of Traders. Mm-hmm. Iabugan's still. 15 bucks, and that's going to come down. But it's running the Caracas, it's running four Wasteland. The chal- the Chalices are like 40 bucks a piece. The GTAs are about the same, you know, or maybe like 30. Um, the creature package is actually fairly cheap, but certainly, like, like most Legacy decks, the cost is in the land base. Yeah. Um, you know, the Cavernous Souls are fetching like 50 bucks a piece, so that's like 150 bucks right there. City Traders, you're looking at like four, f- almost four, $400. So, just between those two, those two are like the the bulk of the deck. If you already own those, then yeah, like putting the deck together is easy, especially because all the Eldrazi creatures, with the, you know, obviously without the exception of the, the uh, spirit guides, there are all in standard right now, so they're all easily like very easily easy to get. People are trading out of them right now, actually. That's why I'm holding off on Puka Trade. I'm getting some of the other pieces because mm-hmm. um, I can get the other ones uh, very quickly. As soon as I put them up there, they'll go. <laughs> So. Yep, yeah. I was going through some random boxes today and I found a uh Eldrazi temple and I'm like, Yep. Figures I find <laughs> this after the deck was banned and it's got Damn like it. a <laughs> price price haircut of about fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean at least that one wasn't the one that had gone up way high, you know. Right, right. But unfortunately my Eye of Ugans I traded into the tabernacle when the Eye of Ugans <laughs> were like seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got out too early on the Eye of Ugans. <laughs> Oh well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you can't win them all, Jerry. You can't get you can't you can't turn a, a revised volcanic into a black border volcanic just like that every day. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I think the deck's definitely worth putting together, especially if you're a modern player and you already have the deck. Uh, just getting the ancient tombs and city of traders, uh, while expensive, is not the hardest thing in the world, yeah. and you know. You might be able to do it without the City of Traders. I think the deck's worse. But if you wanted to run a budget version of the deck without City of Traders, without Caracas, I think that'd be totally legitimate. Yeah. Well, we'll see what I can do. I mean, I think I think the Caracas is good to have, you know, because it's your only answer against a deck like I think it's your only answer against a deck like Tin Fins or Sneak and Show. Um, even so, don't expect it to win the game because Caracas shuts off Show and Tell, but it doesn't shut mm-hmm. off Sneak Attack, and it doesn't. Sure. It doesn't yeah. really shut off, you know, Shallow Grieve because even if you Caracas Grizzlebrand, they still get the activation. That's true. That's true. But Grizzlebrand's the best thing to ever happen to those types of decks because before they were putting in Progenitus, and while Progenitus can't be targeted by Caracas, Progenitus does not draw you cards to find more yeah. creatures to put into play. 
Oh man, I'm actually looking. I didn't even realize this. I, I hate to interrupt. I'm looking at this uh, this Eldrazi list, and in the sideboard, it's running the the old four Leyland of the Void and the three X Helm of Obedience in the sideboard. Oh yeah, the, the guy, the Eldrazi player I played against uh, was running that as well. Oh, I fucking love that. I, I was, love that. I was terrified he was just gonna play like uh, Helm of Obedience, activate Helm of Obedience for six, and just hope to hit an Emrakul. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just like activate Helm of, Helm of Obedience? Well, I guess against you, yeah, but like. Well, if you're running Leyline, they don't even go in the graveyard, right? So you can right. activate I mean, Helm for yeah. for zero or for one even. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Leyline right? Leyline is as good as the win package, but Helm of Obedience by itself can also win the game. Like sure. I've seen a Helm of Obedience grab a Tarmogoyf, and the Tarmogoyf beats face for the win. Because Helm of Obedience is a card in and of itself. It doesn't need the combo piece to be, you know. Do oh, because you get the you get the Helm, you get the creature on your side. Yeah, everyone forgets what oh. Helm of Obedience is, was actually printed to do, and what it was <laughs> is it's like you reveal cards off the top of your opponent's library until you hit a creature card. You yep. sack Helm of Obedience and put that creature into play. And if I'm only running Grizzlebrands and Emrakuls, if you hit one of my creatures, I'm pretty worried about that. <laughs> so you don't even need the, the Leyline uh, combo win. Yeah, but that's still pretty sweet. It's, I mean, because they're running 2x of the two of the uh, Urborgs, they can hardcast it, but I'm assuming you want to just like play in your opener or right. play it out of your opener. Right, but I mean, it is you can just also... It's one of the few decks that can actually hardcast it and hardcast right. it pretty reliably. Yeah, but, if you can pick up your... Well, the only, the only t- trouble is getting the Urborg because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to be able to produce black mana. But Right. He actually he brought it in against uh, the Storm matchup because he wanted to shut off the Rite of Flames, Cabal Rituals, things like that. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I was actually impressed. I... I Totally thought I was going to be versing Storm in the finals, but Eldrazi took down Storm in the semifinals. Oh, that's cool. That's um, that sounds like it was a, like a fun time. How was the store? I've, I've heard good things about that store. Yeah, so they actually remodeled since the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was like a totally different store. They got new tables. Uh, like it seemed just seemed like everything had a fresh coat of paint on it, things like that. Uh, just store is really nice. Uh, it fits about fifty people. They had forty four for the event. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a good size event, plenty of room. I, I mean, I definitely go back. Hopefully they've been doing one a month so far. Hopefully they continue this trend. Yeah. Um, it was, it's sweet. I, I wish I had, didn't have to work that day. I definitely would have come in, but, um, tr- next time try to get up there. The missed, missed the first two. So maybe I can get in there and, uh, take it down with some Delver. Hell yeah. Make people feel bad about themselves for losing a blue red. <laughs> yeah, actually, Blue Red's a deck I hope to dodge with Sneak Attack. Yes, yeah, well, I think we kind of established that, right? It's just like a bad matchup for your deck. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the only two times you've beat me, Pat, was because I was on Sneak Attack and you were on Blue Red. <laughs> oh, no, it's not because of that. It's because I'm the superior player. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sneak and Show's kind of worst matchup is uh, any deck that can resolve a threat early and then protect mm-hmm. the hell out of it. Yep. So my worst fear is, like, a Delver of Secrets turn one with, like, Days, Days, Spell Pierce, Force of Will back up. Yeah. Like, that just ruins my day because I can't fight through all that counter magic in time to win the game before Delver of Secrets kills me. Yep. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's a deck I was luckily able to dodge, so I was happy Hey, about good that. for you, man. 
Good for you. I'm happy for you, buddy. I'm happy for you. <laughs> yep, you get to save it for yourself so that, you know, you can be the blue-red <laughs> player that takes me down. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It'll it'll happen then, again, eventually. I don't know when it's going to be because yep. we keep uh, missing each other. But I'm going to try to – I know the um, the the GPT is at uh, Gaming Etc. this Saturday, and I was all ready to go for it. I had the day off, and then I just found out – I was telling you earlier, I found out last week that my son has his first T-ball game that day. So I'm gonna go do T-ball instead, but um, hopefully I didn't see any other GPTs in this area. Is it just me or like I expected there to be a lot more? Yeah, it's still pretty early. Most doors. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I'm not missing out on the only GPT that will see this essentially. Um, I mean, it's not. There's not gonna be like a ton of them. Like it feels like every other GP, there's like 30 GPTs for like standard and things like that. Um, it's just not every store will run Legacy because if they don't already have an established Legacy. Uh, group in their area, they're kind of afraid to host a tournament with an unknown turnout. You know, I guess so. I mean, you would think that like legacy players are probably the ones who are most likely to travel oh. like a distance for it. So I, exactly, maybe they're maybe they're gun shy because they just don't know it, how people uh, react, kind of thing. That's or? that's a hundred percent. You know, legacy players are the ones that will travel for these events. But good yeah. luck telling a store owner that. I've yeah, had sure. a lot of conversations with a lot of store owners who just think it's crazy that people would drive an hour to come to their GPT. Yeah, I would happily drive an hour. I mean, that's essentially like, I think I think that uh, Exeter, or rather, uh, Game Etc. is about about forty five minutes for me. Like, and I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it at the drop of a hat. I might just do it to, to go say hi after my son's game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, come on that's, by. That's fucking. That's nothing for me, man. I'm, I'm happy to do it, but yeah. well, uh, worst comes to worst, Pat. We just get in on Friday and play in all the last chance events. Cause yeah. Do eight man pods the day before the GP for uh uh two buys. Yep. And we just gotta get in the same pod and then you know. Yeah, you can take it down. We start off yeah, the ends and then. That's right. And then I crush like we said, you know, the more chips you have to win, the more often you'll win. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. So, so yeah, it's still a bit early for the legacy GPTs. I would say probably yeah. like a month before the event is when the majority of them are going to be held. Gotcha. So there's not going to be many. I would say probably five or six of them. That's still more than I, I – I mean, like I said, this is the first time I'm actually actively looking to play in some GPTs, like, because getting those first – the two-round buy is – the two-round buys are, like, oh, just huge. huge in a GP, well, so. I've heard some pros say, like, don't even bother going to the GP unless you have two buys. <laughs> right. You're not, well, yeah, I mean, unless – if you're a pro, right, like, because, you know, they want to stay away from all the rabble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, as we uh, as we call it, the wild wild west. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> those, exactly. Th- those rounds in the GP, especially if you lose early in the GP, like mm-hmm. being in the the X and one bracket early is miserable because yeah. you tune your deck to take out Delver, Miracle, Zeldrazi. You tune your deck for the expected meta, and then you go up against like black white bird soldiers. Yeah. Here's, <laughs> here's Belcher. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Or Kark's Thumb, or whatever the fuck that deck is. Uh, I had a Crack's thumb, thumb deck back in the day. That card's it's, awesome. <laughs> it's, you know, it's fucking great, but it's just like, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you, you just it's get real, you practice your coin flips, like, yep. you know. So, yeah, that's why buys are important, so you get to stay yes. out of the wild, wild west. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, at a local tournament at TE, like, I'll play against any deck, any round, I don't care, but if you're traveling 12 hours to go to a GP and your goal is to make day two, which I think everyone's goal should be to at least make day two and money, um, you want to be able, you want to do your best to avoid those first few rounds if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, anyway, moving on from there, um, 
did you see the the uh the trailer for the Enter the Battlefield film? The it's like the basically the do- the Magic the Gathering documentary done by um the guys from Walking the Plains. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I was shocked to see Will Wheaton is narrating <laughs> it. <laughs> well, well, did you? All right, so there will Wheaton is a controversial character i'm actually i, I, actually I don't, don't know why <laughs> well you know why because people are just like people are just miserable it's, that's why it's like because people they, hate big bang theory and he's a regular on big bang i theory. guess so <laughs> they, he was also really like he was my, my least favorite character on next generation but like i mean how nerdy are we were like oh i didn't like him on star trek i don't like him as an adult um but uh yeah so uh, yeah, he's there. Narr- I guess he's gonna narrate the film, but it's done by the guys who do Walking the Plains, so like Nate Holt and Sean Kornhauser, I think his name is. Yeah, they do they do an awesome job. They do such a good job, so mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be awesome. I mean, it's coming out on YouTube and coming out on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, if it's on so, Netflix, I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, like, that's pretty big deal, so I, uh, it's pretty exciting. I think it's cool to see the game getting some exposure. Mm-hmm. I think it's just more hype coming up for the movie. Right, right. Inevitable movie release, so. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Well, I'll, I'll put the link in the trailer, the, the link for the trailer in the show notes, um, so people can check it out, but it's, uh, it's cool. It features, uh, Chris, Chris Pakula, um, Mr. Meddling Mage himself, and it has, a. uh, What's his name? Uh, Owen, okay. Owen Turnwald. Uh, Owen Turnwald. Oh, that. I, I saw in the trailer. There's an interview with Owen Turnwald's mom. <laughs> and mom. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's pretty great. Yeah. Melissa Del Toro's in it. Um, yep. She's actually a player. She's she was a local player. Um, yes, she was. Yeah. She moved out of the area, but I've seen her. I saw her at a few events, and she's always been a very good player. Yeah, she's in Seattle now. Um, she actually <laughs> was out at Wizards for an internship. Mm-hmm. And then when they, I think when she finished up her internship, when her contract ran out, they just didn't have a position for her. But I think she's still out in Seattle trying to get, um, get work at Wizards. So, I mean, trying to live the dream, man. Good for her. But she's a phenomenal player. Um, and she, uh, the, the brief excerpt she has in there is just talking about being a, um, you know, being a female magic player and, and facing, uh, uh, we'll just call them like, you know, additional hurdles, like, than a, than a, a typical, a guy would face. So, Good on them for for putting her in the movie, and and she obviously earned her spot to talk about being a female magic player at the top of the at the top of the charts, man. Like she's yeah, she was at the top eight of a GP, I think, and she's been in a multiple pro tours. So very good player. Yeah, I, just the the documentary as a whole. I just like the idea of other you know ways to enjoy magic and media. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's the magic video games, which. You know, are another subject to themselves, but they exist. <laughs> um, they do. They, they, they do. They exist. Yeah, but like this concept isn't anything new. Like, they, like League of Legends puts out a documentary every year. They do. Like, really? Oh yeah, League of Legends is like they have all these documentaries about like following the pros and interviews with them and all this other stuff. So it, it it's almost kind of like Magic's play, playing catch up a little bit in this area. Mm. Uh, but I think it's awesome. Uh, a lot of people have talked about ways to kind of. M- more make make the players more recognizable um, because right now it's almost kind of like a NASCAR effect where yes. yes there are the pro players that ever, that people know but they don't have like the same pull as uh, you know like a Michael Jordan or a Wayne Gretzky like things of that nature and even going towards like League of Legends or Dota you know League of Legends fans love their players they get you yeah. know t-shirts with the players names on them they like have their players that they follow and they're like dedicated to those players well so I think what's interesting about that are there there's two things right like 
I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen a little bit of League of Legends, and, like, it seems like the players are extremely active, energetic, outgoing. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are, they have emotions, and they're expressive when they play, and um, they also have a lot of cameras trained on their actual faces, whereas in Magic, most of it is just from the top down. You see someone's wrists and hands, and, like, yeah. <laughs> you don't see their face very often, so that's a big problem. Like, I know that um, football is... is had a similar problem um, in the 90s. And uh, Emma Smith was famous for, like, when he would score a touchdown, taking his helmet off. And his big thing was, like, hey, man, like, when I get in the end zone, I want people to know what my face looks like, and you can't see it under this helmet. And I think Magic has a similar problem where uh, um, the faces of the pros, you might not know them. Like, you see it as a little thumbnail in an article if you read their article. But if you're just watching, like, Pro Tours and GPs, like, you're not getting a really good view of of these pros, you're not getting. I think yeah. Star, Star City Games was the first ones to actually institute the like the the face shot for the camera. Yeah, like, yep. that, like that was kind of pretty new for everyone else in the industry. Yeah, it's like why would I want to see their faces? Well, maybe because like you want to make them a person. You right. know, you want to make them more than just like someone's hands playing a game. Right. Um, so that's why now, like, kind of circling back to what I was saying about the NASCAR effect, it's like there's the tied car and the target car and things like that that people actually mm-hmm. see and can recognize. And for Magic, it's like I don't really recognize Chris Picula. Like I didn't even know that was him in the trailer until you mentioned it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, like I don't know what he looks like, but yep. I recognize the Channel Fireball logo and I recognize right. the Star City Games logo, and so yep. it causes people to like come out root for Team Sh- Team Channel Fireball or Team Face to Face instead yep. of the individual players as who they are. Which is weird, right? That's just a strange thing to root for a, a retailer. But. <laughs> Go Target! Yeah! Yeah, I know. It's just, it, so, yeah, so I think I think that something like this is just a great way to get the faces out there, people who, like, have put a lot of time and effort into the game. I hope that they do stuff with people who aren't pros, people who are... Maybe they do interviews with content producers. I mean, I know it's centered around the pro tour, but, like... That. You're not getting I don't want that. an interview. I don't have a face. I don't have a... You can't put me up there with Melissa DeTora and Chris Pecula. No, stupid, I'll sound. It'll be awful. Don't, don't, don't interview me. I'm not taking interviews. Oh man, but <laughs> it's true. You know, anything that that gets the the pro, just to get people to care more. You know, yeah. if I'm if I I don't watch the pro tour because I don't care if Abzan beats whatever the new standard deck is. Uh, or I'm gonna say Abzan. I, I don't, uh, I, yeah, I, like I know so little about the pro tour that I can't even give a good example here because that's how <laughs> ignorant I am about the space. But if you put up, you know, like Melissa Del Toro or Brian Kibler, like I feel Brian Kibler is probably the one that does it better than almost anyone else. Yes, um, yep. and honestly, he's moved more towards Hearthstone. Like I know, like more about that than anything he has to do with Magic now, because that's all yeah. he focuses on. But still, it's like very few pros are able to make a name for themselves in in a way that I actually care about them. Like if I'm right. watching a match, I don't root for anyone because I don't care about anyone. And right. Yeah. It's these types of documentaries and things like that that actually make me care about them. I guarantee you that if I watch the documentary and kind of like what one of those pros are saying and feel a connection with them, you're damn right. If I see them playing in an event and on stream or on camera, I'm going to root for them compared to the no name guy they're versing. And yep, exactly. I mean, they they have a personality, right? You have to feature that. You have to make them almost like human interest pieces. You know, make tell the story of the player. Don't tell the story of the deck. Everyone knows the stories of the deck. Yes. Oh, no one, I'm, no I'm one cares about that. Glad you said that. that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's also a big problem. Is everyone focuses on the deck? No one focuses on the player. 
Right, right. Like, like, yeah, we get it. We see the decks. Like, but anyone who's anyone who's goes who goes out of their way to like go on a Twitch and watch the Pro Tour or watch these big GPs are already vested in the format. Mm-hmm. They're not like some rando who like who they're not flipping through the channels. Basically, they have to search it out. That that's you know, yeah, that's exactly why you know Magic doesn't lend itself to being a spectator sport. You know, oh, yeah. that, that's why League of Legends will have 50,000 people watching a pro on an, on a Sunday doing an average stream, whereas we can't even get a tenth of that to watch, to watch the pro tour. Right. Um, and it's because people focus on the decks and that's what they root for rather than the actual players. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, obviously Magic has that issue with the actual, actually watching a game. Mm-hmm. You need to be pretty, uh, I would think, like, I can watch a League of Legends game and not really know what's going on and still be, mildly entertained because it's visually stimulating. Yeah. The match does, doesn't have that. <laughs> that, you know? that was actually my first ever experience with League of Legends is I was at a bar and they were streaming the League of Legends like World's Cup or whatever at the bar. And it was the first time I had ever really found out about the game. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, ah, oh, I have no idea what's going on, but I, I can figure this out. <laughs> what kind of bar has League of Legends stream? Was it like across from it MIT? Was, yeah, it, like, was, <laughs> oh my God, it was an MIT bar. <laughs> <laughs> was it really? Yes. <laughs> I, I, we played MIT, uh, my college played them, and every time I played them, I was like, we, <laughs> I would just talk to the other offensive linemen, and be like, these guys are fucking nerds! Don't you dare lose these fucking nerds! <laughs> You're like Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like, I wanted to get, like, a sick, like, red and white Letterman's jacket and rip the sleeves off. (laughs) Nerds. I hate nerds. But, uh... So, yep, I was at an MIT bar, and they were streaming League of Legends. Well, that is very fitting. Um, uh, The last bit of news I kind of wanted to touch on, and there's really not much to talk about, but the new president of Wizards of the Coast... Mr. Cox. Yeah, the Hasbro brought in. Um, I guess he's formerly from Microsoft. Right, he's formerly from Microsoft. He worked, uh, I guess, worked a lot with Xbox. Yeah. Um, so people have high hopes uh, that he will breathe some new life into Magic Online. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Someone's like, "Oh, when they find out, it's like I don't really know much about programming or coding or whatever." But they're like, "Oh, so what's it run on?" They're like .NET. He's like, "Yeah, I expect your recognition on Monday." <laughs> So that that'd be cool. I mean, I I know um in the recent Hasbro earnings report, they did say that they are expecting to revamp Magic Online because they want to um make it well, um more profitable. Ex- no, what like, they said is that they're going to revamp Magic Digital. That, oh, sure. That doesn't necessarily mean Magic Online. I think it does because they just did duels and do- duels isn't doing what they wanted to do. Well, that's why I'm I'm wondering like are they going to revamp duels? Is duels going to be their new focus and are they going to fully phase so. out Magic Online? No, I don't think you'll ever see Magic Online phase out. Uh, I don't think that will ever happen. Never say no. Uh, you'll never see an Eternal Master set. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I said you would, and so Jerry, just listen to me. Listen to me. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, Mr. Smallface uh, is going to be leading up Watsy. So Mr. Smallface, cool. have you seen his picture? I'm looking at it right now. He has a freakishly tiny face. That looks like you a little bit. No, he looks nothing like me. 
He has he has like the beadiest of beady eyes. Like his eyes are very close together, but but they're like also like dwarfed by the rest of his head. I think he just it's has, like he just has a big forehead. That's what it is. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's an optical illusion. Maybe he's a real handsome guy. I, but when I, like the first thing when I saw this when I opened the page, I was like, oh Jesus Christ! Well, I feel bad for him because of his name. He's been like the butt of all these jokes on Twitter <laughs> and all over the internet. Really, you're gonna make a cox and butt joke? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't trying to, but I mean... <laughs> the, the best the best line uh, that I, I saw, and I, I have to say, because I am, of course, 13, um, <laughs> talking talking about uh, uh, Leeds, who was the former president of WOTC, um, he will stay on to ensure a smooth transition to Cox. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, I just, I couldn't help myself. I thought it was too funny, but... Um, I, I think it's great, man. Obviously, the guy, they're seeking out people who are talented, mm-hmm. people who have experience running um, successful companies and stuff. So yeah. um, hopefully he does good work at Watsy, man. I wish him all the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I think it's a good move. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Hasbro shareholder, so just mm-hmm. from an investor point of view, um, I, I like that idea of shaking things up a bit, getting someone some experience. Like, mm-hmm. you know, on his resume is the Halo franchise. Yeah. That's a pretty good thing to have on your resume. I actually, <laughs> speaking of Halo, we can probably go a little off topic now, but I uh, bought an Xbox One um, for when Fallout 4 came out. I just basically bought it, and then the next week Fallout came out, I bought that and played that, and it came with a, I got like a free like game or whatever, so I picked up Halo 5 because I hadn't played that, and I just started playing it this week, and it's fucking great. I actually still, I, thank you for reminding me because me and my roommate got the Master Chief bundle. Yep. And we've been playing through one through four. Oh man, uh, you gotta let me borrow one because that is probably my favorite game of all time. It, it was real good playing through it again, and I haven't even—I own Halo Five and I haven't even played it yet because I'm still not finished with Halo Four playing through. It it is worthwhile. The story is very complex. Like one of the things I think that was great about Halo, the original Halo, is that the storyline is like has these real sweeping arcs to it, but it's also very simple. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's simple, but it has a great twist. We to got it. aliens and we got zombie aliens. You kill them. Yes, you exactly. Kill them, you kill them both. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, man. I, I mean, like the final, like the the music is such a driving part of that original game, and like when you're doing the final run, the Warthog, and it's just got like the the two, like that that uh, the string like that orchestral yeah. tune playing like ah, it's just it's very very good very very good so um, but yeah that's a that, check out Halo Five you'll enjoy it it's yeah, a fun game I'll have to do that yep. um, but other than that you you want to go into some scoop top eights yeah yeah we can do some scoops all right who who are you gonna scoop in Jerry because you didn't scoop in anyone in when you were playing at the at this tournament this past weekend so <laughs> you, you have to scoop in someone now. Uh, yeah, I, I have some scoop-ins. Um, I mean, definitely want to scoop in everyone who reached out and said thanks to, you know, good job. Uh, just, I uh, got a lot of support on the Facebook. The people said thanks and good job to you? Yeah, so, well, I'm looking at, like, my list. People were thanking you for winning? <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jerry, for restoring my faith. <laughs> Thought you were all just scrubs. Oh, thank you, Jerry. I'm so glad you won again. <laughs> I couldn't live with myself. I want to say thank you is what I was trying to say. <laughs> I want to say thank you to all the people who cheered me on and also just kind of reached out and said that they were proud of me. So that that meant a lot. Uh, ooh, also, I wanted to scoop in my Omni Show opponent, Chris Fields, because he actually came up and he's the one who helped me do the tiebreaker math. Um, definitely a subject I'm kind of weak on. I wish I was better at figuring out tiebreaker math. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sweating sweating bullets when they were announcing the top eight because I was the eighth seed. 
Um, oh. So I, I was I was locked in. You know, Chris helped me do the math, but I was still you know very paranoid about it because it was going to be very close. Uh, because there were four other players that were playing it out, and you know, someone had an accidental, unintentional draw. You know, things could have been shaken up. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's good at tiebreaker math, and he came over and he like walked me through it, and just wanted to say thanks to him. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, scooping Cicio and Brent and Jay and Steven and Nick and all those guys, because you know, hanging out with those those people are kind of a big reason why I go to tournaments, because. Even if I don't do well, I at least get to hang out with people I like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and Caleb and all these other people who I just didn't name, and now I'm going to feel bad if they listen and don't hear their name. But <laughs> you should feel bad. If you, if you think I should have named you, just in your head think I named you. <laughs> yes, Jerry's going to put it on, on you to thank yourself thank from him. Thank yourself. <laughs> Sincerely, Jerry me. <laughs> Oh, what an animal. Uh, what about you, Pat? Oh, man. Well, I'm going to scoop you in just for being a savage this weekend and getting it done. Uh, winning that sick-ass deck box and uh, upgrading to a black border dual land. That makes you, uh, that kind of puts you a tier above the rest of us rabble over here with just our regular revised duels. So. Uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. I blame Evan. Evan told me uh, a pimped-out legacy deck with white border dual lands is like putting rims on a beater. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, but referring to something as being pimped out when you're over the age of 18 is probably just lame on its own. So. <laughs> yeah, but what do we call it? Like, Pimp our ride, pimp my ride is where it all came from, and it's dude. That is so. That is I know. So it's, I'm, old. Not, I'm not arguing. <laughs> that's with that's you. such an old reference. No, don't don't get me wrong. It's it's a terrible reference, but like, what do we say? Like, what what alternative do we have? It's just it's one of those saying that people know what you're talking about, no matter how stupid it is. You're, you're right, Jerry. It's the only alternative we have. Well, Mastery of the English language. Give the only one. thing we can say is, I pimp my deck. All right, give me an alternative that's catchy and people will know exactly what you're talking about. Go. Just. Don't buy foils and save your money. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're the worst. You're the worst. Uh, the MTG finance market just crashed. <laughs> <laughs> sell, sell, sell. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'll, I'll scoop you in the top eight, man. Again, I'm, I'm super happy for you. Super proud of you. I think it's great. Um, and I'm going to scoop in Adrian. Even though he couldn't be with us tonight, I yeah. got a chance to talk with him on the phone the other night. And I uh, shot the shit for a while, so I'll scoop him into the top eight. I know. We, we forgot to mention that at the beginning of the cast. Adrian is not joining us tonight, <laughs> to our listeners. If you haven't figured that out yet, you're dumb. <laughs> he, he's just really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, got anyone else? Uh, No, that's it, man. All right. That's all I got. Well, Patrick, because this worked so well last, last week, I have in my hand a 20-sided dice. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and so I'm going to roll that die two times. Okay. We got two. All right. Two. Okay, so we're going we're going to 2014. 20, Is that right? Yep, going to 2014. Okay. And number 17. 2014. <laughs> you know, uh, you know what we should do? Let's 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 amend this because this will be more fun. Um, let's do. So Magic came out in 1993. Yep. Let's count up from 93. Up from 93. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I can so we'll go to that. 95. 95. A little older than last week. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Number 17 Um, is Always by Bon Jovi. (laughs) Oh, I don't even know what that song is, but you got it, man. Always. Oh, no, we were so close. Number 18 is Bombastic by Shaggy. 
<laughs> I'm glad we didn't roll that because this would have been the last time we ever do this. Oh, come on. Bombastic's a great song. <laughs> so wait, what number was it? 17. 17. Always by Bon Jovi. Yep. And mm. for those wondering, number one was Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. That's goddamn right it was. Hell yeah. Oh, see ripping it up. Like, number two and three spot. Waterfall. And see it with Kiss from a Rose. Re-roll re, re, re that die. I want to I hear that. <laughs> nope. We're sticking to it. Play us out with some Sweet Always by Bon Jovi, Pat. <laughs> I don't even know if I can find that on YouTube. <laughs> I think it was 17 in 1995. You could find yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You got it. <laughs> you can email us at leavinglegacymtg at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at Mathematrixer, at J-M-E-E-3-R-D, or at Pat Uglo. Thanks for listening. Remember, play fast, not loose. This Romeo is bleeding, but you can't see his blood. It's nothing but some feelings that this old dog kicked up. It's been raining since you left me, now I'm drowning in the flood. See, I've always been a fighter, but without you, I give up. I can't sing a love song like the way it's meant to be. Well, I guess I'm not that good anymore, but baby, that's just me. Try to understand I've made mistakes I'm just a man